Okay, so there's that. Um, all right, so tonight we're going to talk about Proverbs uh, 20, no, 24, verses 30 34. And uh, I'm going to read it to you. It's on that page, um, on the internet page. You guys can find it. You're tech savvy. Um, thehouseutc.org slash lyrics. I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one lacking sense. I saw that it was overgrown with thorns. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So on Tuesdays this semester, we're, um, we're asking God to give us wisdom from his scriptures. We're looking at wisdom. And, and we're told that wisdom is crying out in the streets, offering herself to you and me, begging us to turn and listen and eat of her fruit. We want it. I know we want wisdom, or many of us use language that implies that we want it. We want to know how we're supposed to live, right? But many of us are not really aware of how much we resist it. And I think there's a good chance tonight uh, is an aspect of wisdom that we do resist quite a bit. Um, we're talking about perseverance tonight. Uh, perseverance, yay! Uh, which doesn't just mean doing something a lot, because sometimes we think that, I think. <laughs> like, I've been doing this a lot. That doesn't necessarily mean, what it mean, uh, mean perseverance. And perseverance means sticking with something even when experiencing difficulty or delay in achieving success. It means sticking with something even when experiencing difficulty or delay in achieving success. When we say perseverance, we're implying some kind of difficulties, and we're also implying a specific goal. Perseverance is not aimless. It's, it's attempting to see a certain kind of success, but experiencing difficulty or delay. It's a stick-with-itness. Tonight, we're going to look at how God's wisdom comes to bear upon that aspect of our lives. Um, in order to set up a good illustration for tonight, tonight I've got a handful of illustrations, I suppose, but uh, I need somebody, uh, somebody who throws a football pretty well with the right hand to come up here. Come on, somebody up, somebody, come on, somebody get up here. Here we go. There you go, here you go. All right, Matt, you stand back there somewhere. Matt, you, where, are you, where are you at, buddy? You back there? I don't know if you can see him. I want you to throw that football and, and try to throw as well as you can. This is a lot of pressure. Uh, that's why I'm asking you to do it, not me. Matt will just catch it. By the way, all of you are just agreeing that you've signed spiritual liability waivers if you get hit in the face with footballs uh, or in the back of the head. Just throw it to Matt. Just throw it down the middle towards the doors. Matt will catch it. That's a pretty good throw. Look at that. Wait, no, no. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. Stay here. Uh, Matt, will you throw it back? Sorry, I didn't ask if you can catch, and you might get hit in the face because there's a light. That was a great catch. Okay, that was pretty good. No, hold on. I got you. Okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to throw it left-handed. Everybody, everybody duck. All right, that was pretty good. Okay, now stay here, stay here. Throw it again. Okay, now what I want you to do is I want, because you can throw it better right-handed than left-handed, right? Now I want you just to try really hard, like mean it with everything you've got, throw it as perfect as you can with your left hand. Yeah, with your left hand again. This has got to look good. You got to throw it, try really hard. Uh-huh. That was better. That was better. All right, thanks. That's, that's great. That's what I need you to do. Thanks. Matt, you can just hold on to that football. I don't even want to try to catch it with a spotlight. You, you did great. All right, so uh, out of curiosity, what's your name, by the way? Caitlin. Hey, Caitlin. How long did it take you, like, at what point did you learn how to throw a football? Eight or nine years old? Okay, so how long did it take you from the time you first threw a football to the time you could throw it like that with your right hand? Are you serious? Five years? Okay. 
maybe two, okay, longer than like five minutes, all right? <laughs> yeah, so every now and again, when, I, when I'm uh, throwing a football or playing catch, every now and again, I'll throw it with my left hand just because I want to remember what it's like to not have any clue how to throw a football. Because if you've been throwing a football for a long time in your life, it, it feels pretty natural, and, and forgive me if this sounds uh, sort of mean or something, but when I watch somebody throw a football that doesn't know how to do it, I'm like, <laughs> come on. Like, you should just figure out how to throw a football. Uh, but I forget, and so then I'll throw my left hand, and I'll be like, dang, that's really hard um, to, to learn how to throw. And, and, it, and what does it take to learn how to throw it well? Like, you can't just stand up here and go, I'll just try hard. Like, I'll just mean it, and this time I'll put all my effort into it, and I'm going to throw it really well because I mean it. Like, this time I'll give 100% instead of 95%, and if I just give 100%, well, then I can just absolutely nail it, Right? You understand that like in order to, like if you've ever played catch with a football with somebody who hasn't done it much or you haven't done it much, there's a lot of looking like an idiot that goes on. There's a lot of the ball going weird places and trying to catch a football when it's bouncing is one of the dumbest things you could look like in your entire life. Uh, because it bounces this way and that and you've almost caught it like three times. It gets slippery and muddy if it hits the ground and then it's harder to throw well. Like it's a really, I mean it's a silly uh, sort of thought experiment here, um, but in order to throw football well, it actually takes l practice little by little over a long time. My son is nine years old, and he, is, he can throw it pretty well now, and it's taken a couple of years of us playing catch. I mean, he could throw it as hard as his little muscles could get him to throw things, but like actually throwing it well is still something he's trying to do and practicing, and the more he does it, the better he gets. I couldn't just, can you imagine seeing a father in a field with, a, with an eight or seven-year-old boy, and, and when the boy throws the football and it just tanks in the dirt, getting mad at him and saying, I need you to actually try harder and mean it. The reason you can't throw that football well is because you're not even putting all your effort into it, so just put your effort into it, and expecting that without time, without practice over time, that he, that he could do it. I, I suspect that you would think that's unrealistic and mean. That what, what it takes actually to do something, to learn many things that are worth doing, like throwing footballs, uh, that it, what it actually takes is time, little by little. Little by little time. That's the wisdom of perseverance. All right, let's pray. Father, uh, would you help us tonight? Lord, talking about this topic is uh, sort of anything but appealing, I think, um, to me and to many of us um, we don't like difficulty. We sure don't like delay. And many of us even struggle with goals. And perseverance seems to invite all those things. But would you give us wisdom and would you call up in us hope for something greater than the things we so often settle for? Would you pour out your wisdom upon us? We ask for it. And we ask thoughts and meditations of my mouth and each one of our hearts would be holy and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So if you got your phone out, I want you to take a look at this picture. I put it on Instagram and Facebook and all these places. It's me and my two little daughters. Uh, you, you can steal a peek at somebody else's phone. You're going to need to see this picture in order for this to work, okay? Uh, so I went to this like father-daughter's dance this last week. It's the first time I've ever done something like that, and it was freaking incredible. Um, and I don't really know what I expected of a father-daughter dance, um, but I, I don't really think dads dance that much at the age my girls are. Um, because when we went to this thing, uh, pretty much there's this like loose circle of dudes just like beaming at their daughters and, and, and uh, who are all singing uh, like along to some kind of music that little girls like. Um, and, and it's really, really disarming. 
Um, because like every single guy in this whole circle, uh, no matter what he does for a living, no matter how big he is, how intimidating he is, how brooding he is, every single one is on a leash. And the other end of that leash is some adorable singing, twirling six-year-old, right? Like, that's like, that's like jumping off stages and going, look at me, daddy, you know? And like these, these grown men are all like, yeah, you know? And like every single one of them, I walk up, hey man, what's up? You love your daughter? He's like, yeah, you know? And like, and we're all just like, this is great. And like everybody knows words. We all know the words, like the Katy Perry songs, and like none of us actually listen to them. So it's kind of weird. But anyway, it was a really cool experience. So I sent this picture to my brother yesterday on a text. Uh, and, and his response is hilarious. And so if you got that picture open, I want you to zoom in. This is super awkward for proximity reasons. Um, but I want you to zoom in on the bottom button of my shirt. Um, he zooms in on this bottom button, takes a, sc- takes a screenshot of it, sends it back with this response. All I know is that button is hanging on for dear life. <laughs> and he says, a true soldier. <laughs> that's, what he, that's, what it, that's what his text says. Are you, that's the kind of family I have. Okay. So he zooms in on this, so that's his response, not your daughters are gorgeous, not you're a good dad, not oh man, love this. Like it's a screenshot of my, that's why I'm wearing a vest, because <laughs> otherwise it's torture the rest of this sermon up here, okay? So he zooms in on this thing, so here's what I did. I went to the gym yesterday. Uh, for the first time since December, and that was the first time I had gone since October. Um, so there's some, there's some pattern here. Uh, and I did this one-hour exercise class from hell. Uh, there, was, there was steps, there were steps, and there was a weight bar, and there was dumbbells, all of these things. Um, and, and it was one hour of torture. And the first time I looked at my watch to see how long we had left was a huge mistake, because it had literally only been 13 minutes. Uh, and somewhere in there, while I was faking push-up, uh, like 193, um, the word perseverance came to my mind. Because I honestly thought over and over and over again about one thing. I really could just stop right now and pick up this stuff and walk out of this class. That's what I kept thinking about over and over and over. Can I make it to minute 15? Can I make it to minute 20? Um, Or I could just like sit on this step and look at everybody while I'm drinking water and looking at my phone. That would be interesting. Like anything sounded more appealing than what I was doing. And I started thinking like, I need to just persevere through this. I think I'm going to be preaching about perseverance tomorrow. I need to see if I can make it through a one-hour class. Technically, technically, if you're only looking at a one-hour time block, then yeah, I persevered through that miserable hour. I did. I only did half of what was asked of me to do uh, because I couldn't. But, um, but if I zoom out just a tad, like if I, if, I, if I make my life broader than just this one hour picture, would you really call what I did yesterday perseverance? A middle class white dude in a workout room in the YMCA in downtown Chattanooga. If I was going around saying, dude, I was just persevering, you know, through my life with my iPhone safely tucked underneath that bench, you know, worried about how wet it's getting because of all the sweat, you know, or something. But, but all I did is I had a one-hour exercise class in the last hundred days, and I was actually thinking I was persevering. How often do you think I need to do that class before the bottom button on my shirt does a little less work? How often? Those of you guys who exercise, how many, how many weeks or how many months would I need to be going to that class before, assuming my diet stays somewhat the same, which is a good assumption. Uh, uh, 
how often, how long would I need to go? A couple months? More? Less? Two months? Yeah, about two months, I think. That seems about right. I would expect that. The woman who taught the class, <laughs> Ooh, she was probably around 60 years old, uh, half my size. She's on chemo right now. Um, and I seriously, seriously, because I was looking, I don't think she started sweating until halfway through the class. Um, how much would I have to persevere to get there? More than two months, I think. Like, how much would I have to, how much experience, how much would I have to uh, go through some kind of difficulty with rearranging my schedule, potentially finances involved, adjusting my sleeping habits, potentially my eating habits, regularly attending these things, which affect other things in my life. I've got to stop things in order to go there, right? I've got to spend time in that place. Potentially, I make even new communities and friendships there, which affect my friendships and communities outside of that place. How much of my life would need to change? How much would I have to experience? How much would I have to persevere through in order to get to a place that I could, I mean, you guys, for real, like, I, I, I don't, I'm not uh, way overweight necessarily. I'm way unhealthy. And, um, and, and I was sitting in that class, and the girl right in front of me, who is, uh, she wasn't quite half my size. The instructor definitely was. But she was, she was a little smaller than I was, and she had the exact same size weights that I did, crushing it the entire time. And I'm standing behind her, and I'm like going, I for real can't do this. Like, I, I'm like doing this thing shaking, and I'm like, damn it, damn it, she's on 20, you know? Uh, and I'm, I'm doing that thing. Like, I'm, I'm really, I'm unhealthy right now. I'm just not in shape, right? And I'm like, how much would I have to persevere in order to be able to lead a class like that? Because I could, reasonably speaking, barring some sort of weird bone issues or some, some medical condition, I, I could end up leading a class like that if I put in the time, but that would take probably a year or two at least, I would assume. Maybe I could do it in a year or less if I was really bent on it. But that would take a lot of, that would take a lot of, I think at that point you might start, start calling it perseverance. How many of us, and this is a question I think I want us to sit on today a bit, is how many of us have goals but are unwilling to persevere in order to achieve them? This is what we do all the time, right? Like somebody, I celebrate, you celebrate the fact that I went and worked out for the first time. Y'all shouldn't even like bat an eye until September rolls around and you say you're still going to that class. I said I started a new devotional last night. Why don't you wait like a month? see. I've decided that I am now going to let my yes be yes and my no be no. Give me a year and then ask me how it's going. Perseverance. The wise person, the scripture tells us, plans ahead and perseveres. Plans ahead and perseveres. And for every image of someone wise, there is an image of a fool. A fool who doesn't have discipline who doesn't plan, who won't persevere. He has a name in the Proverbs, and that name is sluggard. In some of your translations, it might say lazy person, but I like the word sluggard, so we're going to stick with that tonight, uh, just because it's awkward enough that you'll listen to definitions. Uh, so sluggard. Um, uh, and I want you to listen to what one, of the, one theologian, uh, how he describes the sluggard in the book of Proverbs, and if you got that lyrics page open, uh, there, there's an italicized quote of this at the bottom, so you can follow along if it's easier for you to read and listen at the same time. This is the definition of the sluggard, and again, remember, this is the opposite of the wise person who perseveres in the scriptures. This is what the fool looks like. The sluggard will not begin things. When we ask him how long or when, we're being too definite for him. 
He doesn't know. All he knows is his delicious drowsiness. All he asks is a little respite. A little, a little, a little. He does not commit himself to refusal, but deceives himself by the smallness of his surrenders. So by inches and minutes, his opportunity slips away. He will not finish things. The rare effort of beginning has been too much, and the impulse dies. His meals go cold on him. He will not face things. He comes to believe his own excuses and to rationalize his laziness, for he is wise in his own eyes. And because he will not begin, finish, or face things, he is restless with unsatisfied desire, helpless in the face of the tangle of his affairs, and useless to anyone who must recruit him. Isn't that scathing? This is what the sluggard looks like in the book of Proverbs. That, that, that section I just read is, is kind of a collection smashed together of all these different things said about the sluggard in the, books of, in the book of Proverbs. The person who does not persevere. This is what they do. They don't begin, begin, finish, or face things, and so they're restless. I know that we've seen others embody these qualities. I know that if, if, you, if you, you probably don't have to think, this is what we're prone to do, I think, quite often in our habits is immediately, um, if a sermon is about somebody being judgmental, we think of that person next to us who's judgmental. If the sermon is about anger, we think of the roommate who's angry. If the sermon is about uh, apathy, we think about the person who's apathetic. If the sermon's about being a sluggard, we think about somebody who's a sluggard. But I think it's best if we just attend to where we've seen this stuff in ourselves for tonight. Where do we not begin, finish, or face things? And because of that, experience a restlessness of unsatisfaction or helplessness and uselessness. It's a terrible image. The author of Proverbs 24, that, that scripture that we looked at twice already, and it's, I think, there at the top of that, um, that PDF file, says that he walked through a vineyard of a sluggard, a big field that is intended to grow grapes for wine. And it was overgrown with thorns and covered with weeds and had broken down walls. The vineyard was intended to be plowed, which would have probably happened in the fall, and then planted, which probably would have happened in the spring, weeded and protected the entire time, and eventually harvested in the early fall. And those harvested grapes would need to be crushed and cared for while they aged in order to produce wine. So I want you to think about this. If you had a vineyard, and this, is, this image is, is stark, and in an agrarian culture this would have been super obvious for us. It just might take a little translation how much perseverance it would take to make wine from scratch. Like if you couldn't order, some of you might have parents who like order wood chips and like wine grape juice or something and like, I'm making wine. It's not the same. Uh, so uh, I have my, one of my parents does this. Um, it's not the same. Uh, but if, and I haven't farmed. I just know it's not the same. But if there's a big field and you've got to plow this sucker, tear this thing up and, and begin to plant seeds... That grow, and it probably will take you three years if you go from scratch before those, those, um, the vines are actually going to be strong enough and produce ripe enough and sweet enough grapes in order for you to use for wine. So you've got about three years, if you're starting from scratch, before you even are able to take the grapes off the vine and use them to make wine. And then you're probably going to age them for another couple years, so you're talking four to five years of work. Tell me, in four or five years, you're depending upon weather, you're, you're, you're hoping animals don't get in and get stuff. You're hoping you nailed the season just 
right because grapes do not ripen anymore once they're picked off the vine. So you've got to get them just right off that vine. You're telling me that you wouldn't experience difficulty or delay in four or five years trying to achieve that goal? There's perseverance in making wine. But instead, when this, when this wisdom writer walks through and sees this vineyard of a sluggard, the sluggard has let that vineyard become overgrown with thorns and weeds, and do you know how it happened? Do you know how the vineyard got overcome with thorns and weeds? Do you know how the walls began to crumble? It's not because they went on a binge on Friday night. It's not because they made a bad financial decision once. It's not because they planned it. It's not because they wanted thorns and weeds. The author tells us that the slugger didn't begin, finish, or face the reality of that vineyard. Because he just wanted a little more sleep. A little more slumber. A little more hands folded together. I'm just going to sleep a little longer. I'm just going to watch one more Netflix show. I'm just going to stay up a little bit later. I'm just going to spend a little bit more money. A little, a little, a little. That's how it happened. This is how it works. A little at a time. This is how neglect works for sure, but it's also how perseverance works. A little at a time, little by little. And the wise person knows this, friends. Will it really hurt you if you skip your homework for class one night? Probably not. Will it really make a difference if you do your homework? one night? Probably not. The immediate value of either of those things isn't really clear. But imagine if day by day, little by little, you do neglect your homework. So by the time you get to the finals at the end of a semester, you haven't done it at all, but once or twice. Even though each day in and of itself might not be so significant, the cumulative value of all of those days together comes crashing down during finals and no amount of cramming or preparation is going, to is going to satisfy what could have been satisfied had you studied little by little for the whole semester. Exercise is the same. The only difference in my body between this morning and yesterday morning is soreness. <laughs> I've been standing and walking most of the day because uh, I don't want to sit still uh, because of what happens afterward. Uh, and any weight changes in my body are negligible. Um, I don't have any difference in muscle mass or fat percentage from yesterday and today. The, I will only notice a difference, only, if little by little I add more exercise to today and after a year, I would expect to see a difference. It, it would be reasonable for me. It would be, can you imagine if today I said, I looked in the mirror this morning and I was like, damn it. I, I, dang it. Uh, that didn't do anything. Which, of course, is unreal. I mean, that, it's like so stupid that it's even a dumb example because we wouldn't expect anybody to really do that. But how many other things in our lives do we do that with? I go to church one Sunday. Didn't change my life. I, go to my, I, 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 go, I miss my core group once. You shouldn't even do it once. I've kicked people out of my core group for missing once. <laughs> That's the kind of leader I am. Yikes. Uh, I'm not leading one this year. That's why. Uh, anyway, um, you skip a core group once and you may be like, eh, because you went to one once and it was like, eh. What's the cumulative value of that thing, though? My wife and I have been in this small group with our, our current church, um, which I'll be in until the day I die, God willing. Um, we've been in it for, I think, probably a little more than a year now. And I can't tell you if there's any one single night 
that we went and I went, man, this is why we're there. Like, this was so awesome. And like, we just knew God and we, the vulnerability was amazing. And I feel like we're in this community like so tight now. I don't know. I don't know if anyone was particularly awesome or bad. It was just another small group. The class that I went to yesterday, I went to because one of the guys in the small group said, you should come with me to this class. He's become one of my best friends. I don't know when that happened, little by little, over the past year, which seems pretty quick at my age, actually. Usually, I think it takes a lot longer than that. How much difference do we expect from all sorts of things that we do not give incremental, cumulative time to? We just do one thing in this spurt of passion, in this, this moment of decision-making, I'm going to try this, and we try it, and we're like, ah, that didn't, really, that didn't really do anything for me. In 2014, I was teaching a class, and a friend of mine, his name is Brian Meeker. Uh, he was a young life leader in town for a while. Um, I don't know if anybody here would know him anymore, but um, he approached me, and he asked me after this class, he said, how do I become familiar with the Bible? That's what he said. How do I become familiar? He knew the Bible. This guy read scripture a lot, but he said, I want to know it as comfortably as you do. This one particular class, I just remember like being asked a bunch of questions and it was just kind of spitballing stuff and bouncing around texts of scripture. Um, and I laughed and I asked him, I said, how old are you, man? And you know why I asked, right? I said, how old are you, man? He said, uh, oh, because, I, because I told him that I was 12 years older than him when, when he told me his age. I laughed, I said, I'm 12 years older than you. And I said, man, here's what you gotta do. Just give it 12 years of reading and studying um, and, and you'll be good. Uh, and he, I'm sure he wanted like a podcast uh, I'm sure he wanted like a book or uh, some kind of trick, some new study Bible that like is really fancy looking stuff on it or whatever. But I, I gave him the truth. You want to become more familiar with the Bible? A little, a little, a little. So actually right in front of me, I said, pull out your phone right now. And I want you to tell Siri to set an alarm for the year 2024. And I want you to call me in 2024, um, 10 years later. And, and I said, I want you to call me when that happens and tell me if, you, if that day in 2024, when you look back and think about me in the class today, if you go, yeah, that doesn't seem like such a stretch now. Because over the last 10 years, I have been little by little studying and reading the Bible. And so, um, in, in fact, I actually texted him today because I was thinking about this in, in writing this sermon um, and remembering that moment. And I asked him, uh, I said, I just, I haven't talked to him in like two years, two and a half years. I said, hey, Brian, uh, how is uh, working, how is your working knowledge of the Bible going? And here's what he said. <laughs> this is Brian. He said, the only real way to have a better working, well, first he said like, hey, it's good to hear from you. Thanks for checking out on me. Okay, we're skipping that. Um, he said, uh, the only real way to have a better working knowledge of something is spending time with it. So in that regard, yes, I've kept reading and studying the scriptures as a habit since our time together. Also, some good books done in the mix help to illuminate the text. So yes, in the right direction. That's what he said. You see that? Time with it is what he said. It's been two and a half years. He's still got another, you know, seven, I think seven and a half uh, and then we'll check in. I hope, I hope he's still using iPhones because that's going to be rad if he says my alarm went off. Because she actually did. She set an alarm for like 2024, which is pretty cool. Uh, but this is what he said. Time with it. A little at a time. A little at a time. A little, a little, a little. In Proverbs 20, verse 4, we're told that if you are too lazy to plow in the right season, you will have no food at the harvest years back, um, and other alumni of the house um, called me to talk to me about how frustrated he was with his life. I asked him what he wanted. He, he'd graduated from college a few years uh, after college or something. I asked him what he wanted, and he told me about his sister's career. 
He said she had this great job, and she was making a good salary, and she seemed like she just bought her first house. She seemed like she was, like, planting some roots, and, and he really was excited about that, and that's something he really wanted for his life. And I said, how long had she been plugging away at that career? He had to think about it for a minute, and he said, well, I guess about eight years, because when she was a junior in college, she started working toward it, and she's been doing that same thing ever since then. I just wish I had something like that in my life. To which I replied, well, you probably can in eight years. He didn't like that. So I asked him, I said, well, okay, well, he really didn't like that. He said, man, that's not a good answer. <laughs> uh, and I said, okay, well, what have you been, have you been working on anything consistently in your life, a little at a time, over the past year or two? He said, nope. I said, well, all right, well, then you're only looking at time, brother. If you want to reap now, well, you should have planted then. It's too late, sluggard. I didn't say sluggard. But it is. If you want to reap now, but you haven't planted in the time when you needed to plant, and little by little been working yourself to this moment when it's time for the harvest, it's too late. That's not the way it works. You can plant now, and you can reap later. You can do that. Do you want to be hireable by a company when you graduate? Well, that's harvest time. What skills are you developing little by little which will be useful for a company? Friend, if you're spending four or five years in college, and, and actually it seems like in, increasingly now people are less likely to do this coming in, so maybe you freshmen are a different place than juniors and seniors, but, but many of us go to college and want to just figure out who we are and make our friend groups and, 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 and uh, I don't know, like do this self-discovery. I want to take out $50,000 in debt and figure out who I am. And that's, that's fine if you figure out who you are and you've got another way to make a living, go nuts. That seems like a worthwhile thing. It's probably better than a car or something. I don't know. But it's, what's illogical, what's really strange, is if you're going to sit in an interview in four or five years and somebody says, why should I hire you? And you say, because I figured out who I am. You're not going to get a job. And if they say, well, tell me what you can do, and you say, I don't really know, but I, 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 I'm an eight on the Enneagram, that you're not going to get a job. If you say, these are my spiritual gifts. If you say, I made some really good friends. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it, like it, it, there may be really wonderful things in planting and harvesting that kind of stuff. I suspect that there are, and I suspect you'll never be able to shake your desire to know yourself. Ever. That's something God intends to reveal to you when you see him clearly and, and increasingly along the way. You will never be able to shake that. But if you intend someday to, to sit before somebody and say, I'd like to work for you, you should anticipate what you would like to be able to offer in that moment and begin planting now. Because if you haven't planted, what are you going to harvest in that conversation? Do you want to get married someday? How are you becoming, little by little, someone who is good for someone else to share their life with? Many of you are very interested in harvesting a romance, but you're not willing to plant the seeds that make a romance work well and be healthy. You want to be kind? How are you little by little working on kindness in your life? Or do you just wake up one Thursday and go, today, I know I'm 20, but today I am going to rewrite 20 years of history and today marks a new day. And do you expect that the momentum that carried you into your 20th year and first day of life 
has no bearing on how you're living out the second day. Do you understand that? Like the momentum that comes with all that, the habits that you've built and the ways that you are in this world have been formed and trained and nourished. If you want to change, if you want to be kind, because you're, if you're not, I don't say because you're not, I don't know, but if, if you want to be kind. I, I realized a number of years back, I was like, man, I got, some, I got a lot of anger that I just deal with all the time. I don't want to be angry anymore. I've been working on that for six years and it's starting to get better. It's cool. And I think I probably got another 15 to 20 before I think it's not a major thing I'm even working on anymore. It's become so habituated in me. Do you understand that, that, that the time that it might take? Do you want to be more like Jesus? How are you little by little dying to yourself and following him each day? Little by little. Not fits and starts. Plant, plowing and planting and harvesting. Little by little. This is the wisdom of perseverance. If you will not have it, friend, you're a fool. Um, and you should expect your gardens to be overrun and to never throw a football very well. Uh, this, is, this is the wisdom of Proverbs. Little by little. There are some of you in this room who I, I think, though, um, are persevering through quite a bit. Uh, and as I say it, I, I want to be careful not to assume um, that this isn't a really familiar narrative or theme of some of your lives. And for you, I think the wisdom is this. It comes from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Do not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. If you are persevering through a lot right now, um, I'm sorry for the difficulties you're facing with your family, with your roommates, with your body, with your finances, with plans that keep getting foiled with how long the journey seems like it's going to take. I am sorry for the difficulties you, you face, and I am sorry for the delay in whatever you're persevering for. We are encouraged that perseverance will bear fruit, just, not just the fruit of the harvest itself, that too, but even something else is happening as we become people who are willing to persevere, because so many of us resist anything like perseverance. If you are persevering, we are encouraged that it will bear some kind of fruit. We're told that our enduring, our persevering, is producing in us a Christ-like character. That's what we're told. And that our character formation will give us a very, very rich hope. And some of you, I really think some of you might have experienced this already in your life. Like, have some of you seen significant character transformation because of the way that you've been persevering since Christ has called you to himself. That you have actually seen your character change and grow. As I, as I share with people the ways in which God has changed me, and they begin to share the ways God has changed them, we find, we don't often name it this, but I think we could, and I might start now because I'm thinking about it. We find that like it's one of the most significant causes of hope in our lives if god could change me if he could make me new he can do anything and one of the ways that the, one of the secrets to our faith that maybe some of you don't know is god has actually put some of the tools of character formation into your hands he has said if you persevere i will produce in you a kind of character that looks like me and it will give you hope and it will give you hope even so, 
That sounds, I don't know, like a consolation to me. It's, it's, it is a consolation. It's nice. But Paul tells us not to grow weary of doing good, of persevering. And the reason he says that thing, it's always the reason why verses like this exist, is because that's precisely the temptation. To grow weary. To give up. You don't say don't grow weary unless people are growing weary. You see that? You don't say don't give up unless people want to give up. But if we do, we'll never see the harvest. Fix your eyes on Jesus, friends. The author of Hebrews tells us that he is the author of our faith and he's the finisher of it. He begins it and he finishes it. Unlike the sluggard who won't begin or finish a thing. Our great king, our elder brother, our groom, our maker. He is the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, which you could understand as you, he endured, he persevered through the worst that any of us could throw at him. He was and is strong enough to triumph over it, and he says, he actually does, not just that he says, he does send the same spirit that's at work with him to us, not leaving us alone. And in light of that, he encourages us in our hearts and in that book of Hebrews, chapter 12, to lift our, I love this language, lift your weary heads, or lift your drooping heads, depending on your translation, and strengthen your weak knees. And set your path straight. And run this race to finish it. If you want to be wise, friends, and God would have you be wise, what do you need to begin or finish or face little by little in your life? Fix your eyes upon Jesus and do not grow weary of doing good. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, help us not just to be hearers of your word, but doers of your word.